The following podcast is recorded and produced by the Podcast Precinct in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. The Podcast Precinct. Consistency. Creativity. Culture. requested a sit down he heard you out what's going on everyone welcome to another episode of the sit down finally we got a guest on this week we have entrepreneur author teacher and bronx native mike de lucia i'm so pumped to have you on mike how's it going i'm doing great man i'm pumped to be on yeah awesome um bronx native i was just at the fedagosto the other week you were yeah you know i was supposed to go uh, I go every year, and this yeah. year, it fell on my mom's birthday. My mom's born on um, on September 11th. Yeah. So, um, you know, she's 88, and uh, we just couldn't between the dogs. And, and yeah, and it was a full-on downpour <laughs> this year. You know what? A couple of years ago, it was the same thing. It was a, a full-on downpour. But we went anyway. A group of us go. But, you know, I, I unfortunately didn't get a chance. Yeah, it's, it's one of my absolute favorite feasts. It's just the one day. But like even I went last year and this year, even with the rain, it was, I think, maybe bigger than last year it was crazy. Yeah, it was. It, it's, it's always a good time. Author Avenue is I go down several times a year. Um, that's where I get all my olive oil. And, yeah. uh, you know, uh, you, you get some great mozzarella down there in Casa della Mozzarella. Have you ever been there? You ever been to Casa della Mozzarella? No, I got to. That's something I'm about to write down right now. Write down, write down uh, that one, Casa della Mozzarella. All right. um, as soon as you approach the main avenue, there's Full Moon Pizza on the okay. corner, which I highly recommend. Excellent Bronx pizza. I brought my uh, family from Italy there recently because, you know, they they, they were saying um, that the, the, the pizza in, in Manhattan was terrible and they were being nice about it. They weren't, you know, but, yeah. but I said, no, 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 that's not the, the you, you know, you have to have real Bronx pizza. So we Yeah, well, there's also certain, there's certain spots, like there's some very bad New York pizza spots, but I go to like, you, you, first off, you can't mind spending the extra money because it's so much, it's so worth it when you're Absolutely. getting pizza in the city. Uh, yeah. That's, that's how I, it's kind of like one of the criteria, how I judge, you know, a place. I always want to know how the pizza is. It's the first question I will ask when talking about neighborhoods, uh, no matter where it is, how's the pizza? If the pizza is good, it's a good, that's a good place to start. Yeah. Uh, but full moon is good. And then when you pass by full moon, you go Casa della Mozzarella. And then Delulo's, which is a, it's a good bakery, and they have really great um, Italian ices. Okay. You know, ices that people around the country don't even know exist. The, you know, those those cream ices. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you move down a little bit from that, and you go to Bugatti um, Ravioli. It's the best. Yeah, people don't understand how awesome Arthur Avenue is, and how like just authentic it is. Like the the businesses there, like all Italian owned, all super authentic. There's uh shout out to Trini's gifts. Mm-hmm. It's like, I went in there for the first time and I was like, Oh my God, this is everything I grew up with down to like the silverware, the certain knives. It's yeah. For, for you go for anybody visiting New York or in New York that hasn't taken the trip to Arthur Avenue, it's uh, the real little Italy for sure. Yes, absolutely. The one in Manhattan, unfortunately has shrunk so much. Yeah. Uh, it- lost a lot the one in actually the one in boston is good Have you ever been the to north oh my god don't give me i love the north end um the north end's one of my favorite places like in the world <laughs> yeah 
Yeah, it's it's uh, there's a little Italian bookstore there called Me Too. I think it's called Me Too. Anyway, I did a book talk there. Oh, and, nice. Uh, and I have my books in that in that store. But yeah, uh, so I mean, you were born and raised in the Bronx, though. So how does it fare from now till when when you were growing up there? You know, I moved out in 1991, so I'm, I'm going to be 62 very soon, uh, November. And, um, you know, I moved out in 91 suburbs. I had some kids at the time. And, um, you know, so, I mean, I'm, I go back. I go back to the old neighborhood. It's Pelham Bay Throgs next section. And, you know, it's the same and very different. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, um, there are a couple of restaurants left. Um, you know, from, but, but a lot of them have closed, but, you know, you still have Arthur Avenue, you know, Arthur Avenue is pretty, you know, and that wasn't too far from where we grew up. Mars Park is still good. Mm -hmm. Um, that's another Italian stronghold in the Bronx. Um, they still have some, you know, I've been down there a couple of times. They're good. Um, some good Italian food. And, uh, you know, it's funny. I went to, um, I went to, uh, you know, the dinner after the wake, you know, uh, and it was in Pauling, New York. I don't know if you've ever heard of Pauling, New York, no. but you know, the, 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 the guy who passed away, um, was a Bronx guy. And we go to this Italian restaurant in Pauling and, you know, in the back of my mind, I'm judging. Okay. Right off the bat, you know, it's like, we're in Pauling. Okay. And the, the food was fabulous. They had little pizzas. He had, uh, you know, little rice balls. And, and I'm saying this, this is, this is good stuff. So the owner came by, I saw him and I was, I was like, are you from the Bronx? <laughs> he said, yeah. I was like, okay, I got it. Because this stuff, I said, uh, people around here, you know, their signs say Italian food, but it's really not Italian food. Mm -hmm. You have Italian food in here. And, uh, you know, he was, he was happy to say the, the cannolis were fabulous, nice and crunchy. Yep. Um, anyway, so, uh, yeah, so that's about food, right? I mean, we can, we can go on and talk about, and talk about all the great food. I have a friend of mine who said, you know, because I talk a lot about the contributions of Italians, not only Italian Americans, but of course, you know, Italy and, and Italian oh, for sure. and, and, uh, you know, this friend of mine said, Mike, forget the Renaissance, forget the Roman empire. If all Italians contributed to the world was the food, we'd still be at the top of the heap. <laughs> I love it. Absolutely. I mean, honestly, it's like you look at like Michelin star restaurants and there's like French restaurants, like Italian restaurants. It's like Italian is everyone's not, if not number one, number two favorite type of food. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like, I think that's fact. I think <laughs> oh, it's, it's, um, you can't go anywhere in the world and not see Italian food, at least in my scope. I mean, I've been to a lot of places. I have not been to, to Asia yet, but um, maybe that's a great place to open up a nice Bronx pizzeria. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. That's not a bad idea. Yeah. So, like, I mean, let's kind of jump right into it. Um, so you moved. Uh, I mean, what did you do, um, I guess, uh, growing up, like after high school, after college, like a little bit of your origin story? Um. You know, I went to uh, I went to to Catholic grammar school and I went to Catholic high school, which, you know, the, the grammar school part is highlighted in my book, Being Brothers. It was a unique experience in the 1960s and 70s going to a Catholic school. OK, um, 
it, yeah, it was it was a unique experience. And, uh, you know, after that, I, I my father, you know, demanded that we went to college that so he said, you, you know, you got you, know, you have to go to college, you have to go to college. And I really didn't want to go to college. I want to be an actor. And so um, I went to college for one semester. Didn't do any work. And I, I think I was um, asked to leave. Um, it, it was at the end of the second semester or the first semester. I forgot which one. Um, you know, I went to Queens College, actually. For, oh, for, nice. Right around the corner and, from me. Yeah. And I went to uh, went to acting school in Manhattan. And, and, I, and I did that, you know, for a while. And um, I kind of got caught between that, you know, love of career and, and childhood sweetheart. And back in the 60s and 70s, you know, you, you know, I got married at 20, 22. I was 22 years old, you know, I was, uh, you know, so I married my childhood sweetheart and, you know, before you know it, we had kids and, you know, so the acting career, you know, kind of flew out the window and, and I went into business for myself. I had a, I had a wise potato chip franchise in, in the Bronx and, um, and I, I had lots of, of businesses. I had a party supply store. I had party rooms for kids. I had a children's entertainment. I, I was a DJ for a while, um, a, a lot of ventures. Uh, and then eventually um, I, uh, I used to work for, I, I got, a, I had a franchise with uh, Anheuser-Busch had a, had a snack called Eagle, Eagle Snacks. You probably it's never so, heard. It sounds slightly familiar. The honey roasted peanut was born in, in from Eagle Snacks. Okay. Okay. Created that whole line. Um, and, and they sold everything off. And then from there, I was like, you know, I was in business my whole life. And at that point, um, somebody said, you know, I had an acting school on the side and somebody said, you know, you should be a teacher. And, um, I thought about it for a little bit and that's when I came up with my DJ business and I went to school during the day and I DJed at night and became a high school English teacher. Awesome. Yeah. So what was that like transition? Cause I know like um, I I'm self-employed as well. I do social media marketing. So like to go from like being in business and just like every day being like anything new, something new to just English teacher. How was that transition? What was that like? Um, you know, first of all, being a teacher in, in some ways you're kind of almost your own you know, entrepreneur, right? Because mm-hmm. everybody is has got their own flair that they bring to the business. Mm-hmm. And I called it five live shows a day. You, you know, you can't hide, you know, when you've got, because kids can sniff out uh, weakness. In, oh my God, yeah. <laughs> in, in a second. So, you know, I, I called it five live shows a day. And uh, I, I made education as fun as I could for the kids. I, I, you know, I like to make people laugh and uh, ninth graders are especially easy to make laugh. By the time they get into 10th grade, it's either I'm not as funny or, um, or, or the kids they're, are just, yeah, they're too cool for school. They're too cool by the time they're sophomores. Mm-hmm. Uh, they lighten up by the time they're seniors, but, uh, but it, you know, it, it was good. I, I really enjoyed it. I, I, I liked teaching, um, uh, you know, and I was able to blend a lot of uh, a lot of things together because I had my my theater background and I was into plays and and so oh yeah, very uh, true. So I, you know, um, it, it was really and and how it changed my life on this end of the scale is that I was an English major, 
So I studied, you know, the greatest literature on both sides of the, uh, of the, of the pond, as they call it. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I read all the great authors, all the great works. Um, and so that foundation helped me to become a much better writer than I would have ever been without, you know, all of those tons and tons of, and of books and, 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 and really brilliant professors who, you know, talked about, you know, uh, writing and poetry and Shakespeare and uh, all of those things, re- that, that vast knowledge, you know, really helps you as a writer um, just embed, you know, uh, you know, stuff into your text, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, and, um, yeah, I got thrown a little bit cause my dog Carmine right now, I don't know if you heard, if you picked it up, he was, he's, he's fooling around downstairs. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, um, my first, uh, historical fiction novel, madness, um, the man who changed basketball, very few people know that it was an Italian American who revolutionized the entire game of basketball. And I did not knowing that responsible for March madness and the foundation laid the foundation for the NBA. Hold on. That's Carmine. I have to no, no worries. Okay. Um, uh, yeah. So, um, and, and in that, in that story, um, you know, there's elements of the odyssey. Um, okay. whereas, whereas Hank Lewis Eddy, you know, is like Odysseus on this journey, um, uh, to be this hero. And, um, you know, so again, the, 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 it, you know, the, the knowledge I have or that knowledge base from college, you know, found its way into my works and, you know, in modern times, a modern writer. No, absolutely. I'm like, I don't get me wrong. I'm not versed in, <laughs> I guess that much of English or, I mean, a little bit of history. I took a semester of theater in college, but, um, it's easy to see like when you know like certain plays like like Hamlet, for example, and then you could spot like Hamlet in almost every single movie that you watch that has those same like resemblance, like the like obviously like the Lion King right. and um certain other stuff, but um that's always cool. I think that's like an Easter egg certain authors put in there too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and it's cool to um again to well, like you know, Stephen King says, you know the best writers are uh, people who read the most or in order to be a great writer, you must be uh, an avid reader. And, and it all, you know, kind of, it all comes together when, when you combine writing and reading mm-hmm. and, and also, you know, a lot of these professors are, are just like, they've dedicated their lives to study, uh, you oh, know, yeah. study of, of, <clears throat> of these authors and, 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 you know, you get a bird's eye view when you're taking, you know, college level and graduate level classes about, you know, these, these brilliant people. Um, and it, again, it finds its way into your work somehow. I've got a question then. What would you say are like a couple books, maybe just off the top of your head? Um, it could be fiction or nonfiction that could really help people, I guess, with creativity or, um, yeah, I guess like more or less like creativity or finding like their success, like in life. Oof. Uh, I know it's a, it's a, I guess it don't, I mean, it's a tough question, but maybe just a couple off the top of your head. Um, you're talking about, about um, like classic works or, or any work. Whatever, I guess, kind of calls you or like that you've taken maybe inspiration from or that have just like kind of like, 
I guess like almost like the first thing that would pop to your head. Um, you know, there is uh, this writer, Francine Prose, and before I wrote, I would always listen uh, to her book, Golden Grove. And uh, Golden Grove is, you know, you really, really have to understand the author, you know, it, it's, it's, it's kind of an edgy book, but, okay. you know, put that aside and putting the content aside. Um, I, I just find her writing to be so, you know, descriptive, but not to the point of annoying, you know, you could read, you know, like Moby Dick mm-hmm. and, you know, sometimes, you know, Melville will just go off, you know, on, on, you know, I remember joking one time and said, yeah, you know, the book would be a lot shorter if you didn't spend like four pages talking about like a wave, you know, <laughs> but uh, Francine Prose is uh, um, Golden Grove is, is a book that, Again, if I would listen to it before I wrote, I, I honestly felt as though it helped me, um, you know, Very write cool. better to see, you know, the images the way she does. And uh, yeah, so that's one. Yeah. And then I guess another question, like what books would you recommend just like you need to read like these three books in your lifetime? Someone you, I guess you'd recommend it to like maybe like uh Actually, no, let's just keep it broad. Just tell like anybody, like these are the, the few books that you should read in your lifetime. Um, without a doubt, To Kill a Mockingbird. Okay. And I might say To Kill a Mockingbird should be read one, two, and three. So maybe those should be the three books that mm-hmm. you read and that you must read. Mm-hmm. Um, it It is such, it, to me, it's it's just the pinnacle of, of it, it all starts with, with, with that. And I've read the book probably close to 30 times. And well, did you, did you teach it too? Yes. Yeah. That, that's why I yeah. read it so many times because it was the last book of the year I taught at the end of the year. And I felt we've spent so much time, you know, uh, on all these other books, let's just sit down and have reading time. And mm-hmm. I would literally read the book and all the different accents of all the different characters. And I would stop and I would ask questions. And it wasn't just, I was reading it deadpan. I was reading it and I was making connections to other things. They say there's not a lesson in life that cannot be learned or cannot be found when in the pages of those, uh, of that book. Um, I would say, um, you know, Romeo and Juliet, um, it, it's some of the most beautiful poetry, the most gorgeous writing that I, you know, I mean, Shakespeare, you know, when you talk about Shakespeare, a lot of times you talk about Hamlet and you talk about Othello and you talk about, about Macbeth. Shakespeare was his first, that was the beginning they say of his, of his mastery, mm-hmm. uh, you know, his first, and, 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 you know, what makes that, that book, that, that play, you know, enter into that category wasn't so much the characterization you know of Romeo or Juliet but the language the language is so gorgeous that I you know um just kind of reading through it and and sort of even if you get the no fear Shakespeare where it has the American version Mm -hmm. on the other side I was never opposed to that um and just you know kind of and you know to pair that along with um Shakespeare in love uh did you ever see that movie 
which one? What were the actors in that one? Because uh, I feel like we were... Rush, um, um, Gwyneth Paltrow. Um, God, that there's a score. Of yeah, them. I gotta, I gotta check maybe because we were shown like a couple of like during Romeo and Juliet in high school, but it's been so long. Shakespeare in Love, check it out. Okay, uh, it's it's fabulous. Um, what's the third one? I mean, I don't know. There, God, there are so many. I love The Raisin in the Sun. Okay, I've uh, never heard of that one. Um, Angela, Lan- um, Angela Lansbury. Um, now because I said that, now it, it threw the author off. Um, Raisin in the Sun, you know, nonetheless, um, Mama is one of my favorite literary characters. And I just, there, there's so much in there about dreams. Like anybody who, who wants to, who, who's got a dream in life, um, you know, that's what this story is all about. It's, it, it's based on Langston Hughes's poem, um, What Happens to a Dream Deferred. Okay. And it, it, it talks about, you know, he, so Hansberry takes that, 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 that little poem and she writes this play. Um, you know, what happens to a dream deferred? What happens when a dream is pushed away from somebody? If you hold it in front of them and take it away, what it does, you know, to the person. So there's a lot of depth in uh, A Raisin in the Sun. And again, Mama is probably my favorite. She's my favorite female literary character of all time. And um, and so I guess I would recommend those. those awesome. Three. No, awesome. I know I love getting recommendations from someone who like is like a master of their craft. So you being an author, I feel like you're a recommend a book recommendation for someone like you beats Google probably for, in my, in my opinion. And I know I am. And my, my girlfriend always is looking for book recommendations and I'm getting sick and tired of buying the same books from the same one author. So. Okay. All right. Well, yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Cool. No, for sure. But um, so I read on your website, you didn't actually publish a book until you were 56 years old. What made you jump into the writing side of things? Was that after you've been a teacher too? Yeah. Um, you know, I always had stories in my head and I always wanted to, you know, make movies. That was always my, my biggest dream. Mm-hmm. And um, madness in the 1980s, when I, when I started to write that, I, I, I'd gotten married. And like I explained to you before, I was, you know, I, I really struggled with the choice because there was, you know, marriage and family and house and all of those dreams, you know, on this side. And then the other side was this hurricane in, inside of me that wanted to be this famous actor that wanted to, mm-hmm. you know, make movies. That's that, that's what I wanted to do. And, um, and once I was really kind of held down by my business and by the life I did choose, um, I decided that I was going to be Sylvester Stallone and I was going to write the next, you know, movie. And I wasn't going to sell it unless I was the star. Mm-hmm. And so I, I started, uh, you know, we're having, you know, dinner, a family dinner. My, you know, my wife and I went to the, went to mom and dad's house and I explained to the, to the family at, you know, macaroni and, and, uh, and, 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 uh, and meatballs, you know, we were, we were um, sitting around and I said, you know what, I'm going to write a movie and I'm going to star in it. I had never written anything before except some poetry. And um, my father said, what are you going to write about? I said, I have no idea, but he said, well, I have the perfect story for you. He said, the greatest movie, best basketball player of all time. And I said, who? 
He said, Hank Luisetti. And I was like, well, if he's the greatest basketball player of all time, how come I or nobody else has ever heard his name before? <laughs> and then he went into it and he started to tell me some facts that he told me were actually correct. Um, but he said he invented the layup and he changed basketball. He was the first part. He didn't invent the layup. I was going to say that was my first question. Did he really invent the layup? He he perfected and he was the first person to shoot with one hand. Oh, wow. In, in major competition. Before that, it was, you know, people were doing it here and there, but it was really frowned upon. He perfected it. He was 50 years ahead of his time. Wow. He was uh, they used to score 30 points in a in a basketball game, 20, 25 points. He was the first person to score 50 points in a game by himself. Wow. He was an absolute juggernaut. What he did for basketball is the story is absolutely incredible. So when I went down, there was no such thing as an internet in 1982 or three, whatever it was. Mm -hmm. So I went down to the library in Manhattan and I was searching through microfilms until I started to find stories about Lewis Eddy. And uh, so that was the first thing I, I wrote. The first, the whole first script was, and I wrote it as a movie, you know, a screenplay um, was written in pencil. I, wow. I wrote it out. And, uh, and, and then I just kept perfecting it over the years and going back to it. Sometimes I'd put it away for five, 10 years, mm -hmm. didn't do anything. But um, so I started, you know, writing that and I, and, and then I also had another idea for this, for this baseball movie. And I had it from the time I was, it comes, goes back to the seventies. And I had this idea in my head and I explained it all in the forward of born for the game, um, right. my latest book. And, um, you know, I was just about to write born for the game and uh, being a big Yankees fan. Um, I got struck with this idea because I, I was part of that whole romantic era of, of baseball uh, from, I guess it was from the seventies and the eighties, you know, back, mm -hmm. um, and, and how bas and how baseball was changing and how sports was changing. And it wasn't about the fans anymore. It was about the money. It was about greed and ego. And so I scrapped born for the game and I decided to write, uh, boycott the Yankees, a call to action by a lifelong Yankees fan. Mm -hmm. And it was just about boycotting until they lowered the ticket prices. So the real fans could go back to the ball game again and represent our team. Yeah. What uh, year, what year did you write that book? About 10 years ago. Okay. I, I don't remember exactly. So unfortunately they haven't lowered <laughs> the ticket no, price. No, not at all. But they Cause did. I just bought tickets for Thursday and I, I spent time. Yeah. Yeah. When I was a kid, true story. My mom used to give me a couple of bucks. You know, we didn't have a lot of money. Mm -hmm. You know, my dad, you know, worked and my mom, you know, was stay at home mom. And she'd give me a couple of bucks, maybe, you know, a dollar or two. And that was enough. My mm -hmm. friends and I would take a train down to Yankee Stadium. That money that she gave us, that dollar or two, you know, we'd get us tickets to the bleachers and get us some food and train ride back home and maybe even a pennant. You know, I don't know. But, you know, you know, that that was that that's, you know, what we used to do. And now you can't do that anymore. Uh, bringing your family to a Yankees game is, is a commitment of a lot of money. You know, my father used to throw a bunch of us in the car, my friends and family and go down to a game today. Something like that costs you seven, 800 bucks. If you start, you know, loading a bunch. Oh of yeah. I just spent, um, I got seats in the 200 sections towards right field. I paid 
160 bucks for two tickets. Yeah. So, um, so anyway, so that, so I wrote boycott the Yankees. I was actually interviewed on, on uh, national television for that book. Wow. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and, and it was pretty cool. It was, it was funny. It was a funny experience because I, I got the gig. Uh, I was on Curtis Lee was live at five, uh, drive, oh, yeah? drive at five. Yeah. I was mm-hmm. on that, you know, with him, he picked the story up because somebody did something on it in a newspaper and his agent called me. Um, and I, I was on Fox news, uh, one of their cable news stations. And, uh, you know, we, we kind of talked about the gig, we settled everything. And then like, I was like, well, this is going to be taped. Right. And, and, and the girl on the phone said, uh, no, no, this is live. Oh, and I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so that night, you know, a limo was coming to pick me up in the morning. Uh-huh. And that night I had like, do you ever have one like, like a panic attack? Do you ever have one of those? I woke up at like, who knows, two, three in the morning. I was like, <gasps> <laughs> you know, and I was like, and I was like, all right, I got this. I got it. I got it. And that was it. I had my moment of a freak out, you know, uh-huh. you, you know, you get, you know, you freeze or something, you know, on, on live television, yeah. you know, or national television, it, you know, wasn't a, like a little local station. It was, you know, um, so did boycott the Yankees. And then after that, I said, you know, what? I'm going to write born for the game. I'm going to do born for the game. I pushed that aside. Now I'm going to do that one. And then um, I said, you know what? I'm going to put madness. I'm going to put madness out as a book. The Hank Lewis Eddy story. I'm going to put that out as a book. Mm-hmm. So that's how I'm going to get people to be interested in the topic. So yep. then we'll make the movie. So I wrote madness and I had some interest from a bunch of people on that, you know, to be made into a movie. Uh, the budget is quite large. Um, and so it, it didn't really, you know, mm-hmm. pan out at this point, not yet. Um, and then a friend of mine said, you know what, since the budget on that one is so high, you have like another idea for like another, you know, book that he say, look, I've got, you know, madness and the budget is, you know, 35 million, but I've also got this other book. If you can like throw a, a movie out there for like, you know, maybe one to $5 million, maybe. So then I wrote being brothers. Mm-hmm. And then after that, then I finally wrote born for the game, which is the one I was supposed to write before boycott the Yankees. And I finally got that out. And, um, and actually they, I have some interest in that one, you know, right now. Awesome. Now for those of the, for everybody that hasn't read the book yet, what's uh, born for the game about? Oh my God. I guess just a quick like synopsis. So like uh, people say it's, it's the most, un, uh, it's the most unique, uh, you know, that's not even correct. It's a unique baseball story. It's about, about the first female baseball player who makes it into the major leagues. And it's, it's believable. Mm-hmm. I, I made it so that it's possible what okay. she does, how she gets there. Um, you know, and I feature Italians in all of my stories. Um, you know, one of the topics we have not talked about, um, you know, was, was how Italians are represented in, in, in film. Oh yeah. That's gonna, that <laughs> we're saving the best for last. <laughs> okay. Um, so I, I have my, um, you know, I have, you know, the characters in my stories are, you know, Italians that are just regular people. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, the leading character, the protagonist, Ryan Stone, you know, in this, her, her mom, well, she's half, um, half Italian. Her parents were both uh, Olympic athletes. Her grandmother was an Olympic ice skater and her uh, 
great grandfather was Enrico Fermi, her actual, that's, you know, you know, that uh, it's on her mom's side. So not only is she a tremendous athlete, but she's, she's also a genius. Smart. Yeah. Enrico Fermi was, um, don't tell me, um, he worked on, he was a nuclear physicist. Or, he right? was, he was really the brains behind uh, the atom bomb. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, when, when people talk about the atom bomb, they talk about Oppenheimer, they talk about um, um, Einstein, but it was really, he was, he was the real nucleus behind it all. And you know what? Germany was working on the atom bomb as well. Mm-hmm. What would this world be like if Nazi Germany got the atom bomb before the United States did? Yeah. This would be a whole different world. So Enrico Fermi and his work and, and what he brought to the table um, changed the world. So, no, Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. I did a little bit of research on him because I do the Italian American of the week now. Mm-hmm. So I try to highlight a different Italian American that hasn't obviously isn't re- like related to any sort of like criminal activity, anything. I try to even stay away from actors mm-hmm. and like singers because obviously everybody knows the Sinatras and the De Niro's of the world. So I highlight people like um like Antonio Miucci, who invented the telephone. Um, I've done athletes like rocky marciano joe dimaggio um this week a spoiler alert is actually going to be um oh my god i'm already i'm blanking on his name the founder of tropicana oh okay who is uh, italian american but have you but, done apg and any yet who apg and any no okay definitely definitely do something on him okay he is uh, he created the, the 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 his story is phenomenal do you ever see it's a wonderful life Yep. They say that um um that the main character was based on him. Okay. Not, not him, but based on him. Mm-hmm. He started the whole before AP Giannini started the Bank of Italy. Um before him, banks were very, you know, kind of um Oh, was he the founder of Bank of America? I, I yes. mean, after the fact okay, yeah, because yeah. that his bank was bought, I mean they merged into what's now Bank of America. Right. Okay. Uh, great story. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so you use authentic Italian Americans in all of your writings. Yes, so far, um, and I continue to, you know, uh, you know, the, I have a couple of ideas, um, you know, that that uh, I'll get them in. I, I will get them in because my goal is to is to have them in as just regular people, and no matter what, you know, even if. You know, this story takes place, you know, I write something that takes place in England. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, there could be, you know, Italians, um, you know, there. I just want regular people just to combat, um, you know, to to represent Italians in a truthful way. You know, since Hollywood has created a stereotype of Italians and they have perpetuated, you know, this image so much so that they've in essence, they've brainwashed the world into thinking that Italians, you know, are this instead of, you know, you know, this, that, you know, the contributions that Italians, you know, have made, um, have been reduced to what Hollywood wants to show. And it's because how it's because, you know, because they're making money, you know, business is good, and they continue to perpetuate, 
you know, um, I have no problem with with mafia films. Mm-hmm. The greatest films, American films, have been have been mafia films, and it really demonstrates the you know the the artistry and and the you know the ingenuity and and the plain genius of Italians as as artists. You know, when you especially if you look at masterpieces like The Godfather, you know, you have um, you know Pacino and 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 De Niro and um you know the whole you know the director and the writer and you know Puzo and and uh Coppola and you know doing you know some of their greatest work um in this you know this this fabulous masterpiece absolutely you know? and and you know Donnie Brasco and and Goodfellas and you know uh, a Bronx Tale is another favorite yeah, Bronx Tale might be my favorite movie of all time I'm sure one of yours too just growing up in the Bronx I'm sure yeah, Bronx Tale. You know, Bronx Tale is 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 fabulous. To yeah. me, you can correct me if I'm wrong too, but to me, like I see the, a Bronx Tale, and I think this is like maybe the biggest anti-mafia film of all time, just to show like the, the, the all the characters' arcs, like especially Sonny, like how he ended up, how his all how his friends ended up, just wanting to follow suit, and then. I think like the one of the heroes of the movie is Lorenzo, his dad, who just tries to push him on the straight path and talk about the strength of being a working man. And then how he, he follows like his heart and the good advice that Sonny gave him and and how he was his only friend that didn't end up hurt and on a on a good path going forward. Yeah, I mean, you know, it definitely shows both sides of the spectrum. Um, you know, it 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 it. it is a film, you know, that has the mafia, you know, element to it, but it also shows, you know, that there are Italians who, who don't believe, you know, in, in, in that way of life. Um, you know, so, so yeah, but, you know, I, I wonder, you know, you know, would, would Hollywood have made the movie if there wasn't the gangster element to it? You know, I, I, I question it um that's true we could talk about your article too you wrote an article for the italian sons and daughters of america titled um hollywood's mafia hypocrisy and it's uh, definitely worth the read i'll link it all over the place when this is published but you talk about how everybody's been apologizing for joke especially comedians like amy schumer eddie murphy jimmy kimmel sarah silverman fallon nikki glazer jay leno for all um i guess off-color remarks whether it's the lgbtq community the um um latino american community obviously the african-american community but um a lot of time like a lot of times too it's like set in comedic context and like one like i don't know it's one thing when something's a joke it's another when something's said seriously Mm -hmm. You, you know i mean i think a lot of people a lot of people today are saying there's a lot of you know overcompensation you know, for, for stuff. And, and that's, that's a whole other category that, that, you know, it's neither here nor there, you know, as far as my concerns with, you know, my, my point is that Hollywood is bending over backwards and doing backflips to be um, woke and to be um presenting a, a fair view of everyone and 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 to make sure that people are well represented not only in front of the camera but behind the camera and even advertising in the communities that you know possibly weren't get- so they want to be 
you know, not offend anybody, but try and, so they're doing all of this stuff, you know, uh, you know, in the major categories now, uh, a film has to have a bunch of, you know, checks before it can even be considered mm-hmm. for an award, um, you know, but yet they can, they, they, they're the tremendous hypocrites in that, you know, they have taken Italians, our, our entire history and our our ethnicity and they've they've created this 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 uh stereotype and they just keep promoting it and promoting it and promoting it there are very few films since the late 70s up until now that have featured italians in roles other than um the stereotype they created and the stereotype is either one or the other it's Mm -hmm. either uh, some kind of criminal, um, you know, activity or background, or you've got these Jersey Shore type, uneducated, unrefined, you know, Gavone type, um, you know, I, I say they have this buffoonish, you know, uneducated, you know, mm-hmm. Italian image. And, 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 you know, there is, Italians have advanced the world uh, you know, from Italy until Italian Americans now, in every single facet of 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 what advances a society, in everything, in 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 mathematics, in entrepreneurism, in sports, in in entertainment, in arts, and design, in in politics, everything, everywhere. You know, we talked about the food before. Mm-hmm. You know, Italians have done so very much, but yet when you look at the body of work that Hollywood greenlights, it's 99.5% of what they produce about Italians are either, you know, criminals or, you know, or Jersey Shores, you know, that that's the way we're represented. And because it's been happening for such a long period of time, it's not that it, uh, that Hollywood intends to brainwash the world mm-hmm. but they have you know because you know movies are the greatest teacher they are a, a tremendous teacher they're they're, they're you, they com- it, it communicates you know um so much information to the to the viewer and so you know when was the last time you saw the italian as the thinker in the room you know mm-hmm. when was the last time you saw the italian as the cultured person in the room you, you know you know it's you know what they do and 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 really you know it's like italians have been forgotten in all of this fairness like it's okay to do it to italians but it's not okay to do it to you know all of the different if you if you look at the hollywood list of of inclusion there's a, a, a list of just about everyone except except italians and and it's really italians who have to embarrass hollywood really into you know doing something like um um, was done at the Academy Awards when Marlon Brando, um, uh, um, little, um, little Feather. Uh, what was her? What was yeah, her? I believe it was Little Feather. In the um, and I remember watching that. I remember watching that Academy Awards. You know, doing something like that and embarrassing Hollywood, and you know, somebody taking a stand and saying, you know what, I'm not accepting this award because of the way Italians are treated in Hollywood. Um, you know, what's it going to take? Because I think just sitting back. And not, and just talking about it isn't going to do anything. There's too much money being made. Um, you know, Hollywood needs to be taken to task over it, and they need to to 
for it to be a public display of something where they say, you know, okay, well, we need to, we need to make more films about people who are of Italian origin. You know, even if you made, you know, even if you were talking about historic, like you're doing like this weekly, you know, um, special on, on, on Italians and, and, you know, who've contributed, you know, even if you've taken, you know, the name, let's just say that, you know, we have a script and the name of the main character is, you know, um, you know, Sammy Plant, you know, instead we're going to change it to, um, you know, to um, Martini, you know, so nothing else about the character has changed, but let's make, you know, let's, let's make some Italian characters actually be real people yeah. instead of this caricature and this stereotype, because it, it really hurts us as a people. Um, you know, don't even tell me that we're not being judged. How, you know, why do you suppose there has never been an Italian president? Mm-hmm. I honestly believe in my heart that it's because um, it's because, you know, we're not trusted. We are judged across the country. I mean, we live, you know, you live in Queens or grew up in the Bronx, but, you know, you get to other sections of, of the country, you know, they still, you know, view Italians, you know, in a certain way. And certainly the way they're being educated by Hollywood, they reinforce this. Yeah, that, I mean, more. that's. That's so true. Just the contrast, because I grew up in Niagara Falls, Buffalo, and just the contrast of Italian Americans, like from just Western New York to the city, it's completely different. There's 150,000 Italian Americans in the in the Western New York region compared to millions in the New York City region. And and New York City is obviously the most concentrated area of Italian Americans in the world. So. You, you you guess it makes you wonder what is um, being taught about Italian Americans in places like the Midwest and Montana in Utah, you know? Sure. I mean, uh, did you ever did you ever hear the story of uh, Luigi Del Bianco? No. It's another person that you should do a story on. He is the main carver of Mount Rushmore. Wow, I did not know that. Yeah, Italian immigrant and. Um, and his grandson has a, has a book out and he also, you know, does talks on him and, and so on and so forth. And they refused to give him credit for being the main sculptor of, of the faces on, on Mount Rushmore. And, you know, you talk about, you know, carving a piece of marble is one thing, you know, uh, you know, but just think of hanging off this or, or, or the side of a mountain carving granite. Uh-huh. Um, and, and, uh, I forget the guy's name right now. I read the book. Um, you know, he only wanted Del Bianco working on the features. There was a whole, um, team of people there, mm-hmm. but he was the one that, that they only wanted Del Bianco working on the features. And, and it was sheer prejudice. They would not give him credit up until recently. It just happened uh, you know uh i don't know i think it was like 10 years ago um wow. where he just got credit i mean he's long dead mm-hmm. um and um you know so and, and in the south i mean we all know that you know there was tremendous i mean you know there were italians who were segregated you know into in, you know in segregated. yeah that's something that i've been reading about like because um i think new york city was obviously number one for the immigration of italian americans but new orleans was number two and when Italians immigrated from Italy, most of them ended up in um, New Orleans, Louisiana area. Yes. 
obviously where like um the largest mass lynching in American history took place. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you know, again, it's uh, you know there, there there's a certain you know, and then you educate people, you know, in the cinema and, you know, Hollywood about, and, and it just reinforces these ideas, you know, instead of just, you know, again, whether it's you're writing a film centered on, on a historical fictional character, somebody who, who did something and, you know, uh, made a major contribution to the world, or you just have regular people, yep. regular people, their name just happens to be Italian. Like that's the way the world is, <laughs> you know, Italians are educated people, you know, Italians are diverse people. Um, and, and, and it's, it's really um, unthinkable uh, as to what's happening right now and what's been happening since the late seventies up until now in Hollywood. So they need yeah. to be called to task on it. And the only people I think who can do it right now are the Italians. People have to make noise. People have to say something. Um, do you think the Italians as a group can do it or do we need like, like someone like like when Marlon like like when you said when Marlon Brando did it when he was accept or he didn't accept his Academy Award but he had that the um her name was Little Feather I know but I blanking on her first name but when she accepted their award because even still today that's still something that people talk about yeah and, and it's a recent you know a recent you know it's made its way back into the headlines because I I believe Hollywood I don't want to misspeak I think Hollywood you know has has publicly apologized you know, for that and and so on and so forth. And, you know, some people might say, well, there's a time and place for everything, you know, and maybe that wasn't the time and the place. I know Eddie Murphy did it too at the Academy Awards. He was, he made a, um, he was, um, um, you know, giving out awards and, and he had stopped and and made a comment about, you know, African-Americans and, and how they're not, you know, really, you know, represented well in Hollywood, you know, and, 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 you know, people say, well, there's a time and place and everything for everything but if no one's listening then maybe the time and place is something like the academy awards the yeah. pinnacle of, of of this and say hey you know you're misrepresenting italians you're teaching the world that italians are only one thing again you know the italian mafia exists i have no issues with you know, I have no issues with the reality of the situation. I have yeah. no issues with like these quality films that have been made, you know, about, about, you know, this, this particular, you know, area, not a problem. I mean, there are people out there who's like, wow, well, I, you know, I, I refuse to, you know, but I, I accept it. It is. And plus, aside from that, every nationality has a mafia, right? I mean, yeah. You know, I mean, you know, I mean, just that the the Irish mafia, there's the Jewish mafia, there's you know, black mafia, there's uh, you know, yeah, there's, there's organized crime. Like, and then even there's organized crime, is organized crime in every nationality. I mean, you know, to say that it doesn't exist is yeah, but I mean, you could also argue that it's like when you're making like movies about, I guess, Colombians specifically that like people don't view all Colombians as being <laughs> drug smugglers just because there was a percent of a percent of a percent of people who did that back in the seven or more recently than the mafia existed. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're, 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 you, you know, Hollywood just has to be careful in how they continually perpetuate a specific thing. You know, it's, it's okay to depict reality. It's okay to depict, it's okay to make money. You know, if, you know, 
if they're making money on something, hey, it's a business. It's it's yeah. it's fine. If they're producing quality films, fine. I mean, really. I mean, like like the films we mentioned before. You know, uh, you know, Bronx Tales is is, is a fabulous movie. Mm-hmm. You know, the ones that we mentioned are all fabulous films. Um, but you get in trouble when you just that's the only thing you do. So if all you're going to do is represent Italians this way and avoid, I mean, they've made changes, you know, in the Latino community, they made, you know, changes in, in the African-American community, you know, they, they've made the changes. So, you know, it's, it's there. Um, they just have to focus a little bit harder. You know, if you're going to start talking about inclusion and you're going to start talking about, you know, um, um, including everyone and, and being fair, well then let's be fair across the board, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. So what are, what are some movies that, you love about uh, that you love, I guess that um, feature like Italian Americans. I know you mentioned a few in the article. Um, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, there, there's not a lot there. There's there, you know, gladiator features, you know, the glory of, of Rome and um, you know, unbroken is probably really the best representation um, of uh, you know, because they're, you know, it's a true story and, and they're just Italian that they, they don't, get into anything they just happen to be italian which is fabulous um um the 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 other movies gladiator uh, unbroken the karate kid you know it's tongue-in-cheek kind of a film um well have you seen cobra kai <laughs> uh, I, 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 <laughs> I i i i did because so many people have talked about it. it. It became, but I'm looking at it and I'm saying. It got a little nuts. This is awful. I mean. The, I, I like the first, the first season and the premise of the whole show was great. And then I, I mean, I just watch it cause it's entertaining, but like it got just out of control. <laughs> I'm only in about, I've only, I've watched about 10 episodes and I couldn't take that. I thought the acting was was really yeah. bad. Mm-hmm. And I and and I'm not going to single out any one particular person. I'm just throwing it out there. You know, I don't like when people comment about somebody's specific performance. You know, yeah. there, there's some good acting in it. There is, and and there's some other acting that I think's a little shoddy. And um, you know, I think some of the karate moves are, you know, in this day and age, you know, with all of the how far we've come in films. Mm-hmm. Some of the moves are just um, really fake, uh, you know, yeah. uh, you know, really fake, you know. And, and so I'm looking, I'm like, no, they just did not touch that guy. And the guy flew across the room just now. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so that's Cobra Kai. Um, Under the Tuscan Sun oh, yeah, I um, that. was another film um, that, uh, I didn't mention in the article, but, um, it was brought to my attention and I said, yeah, I do. I, I did see, uh, pieces of that and, and there, and, and it was a good representation. Somebody also said letters to Julia, which I didn't see, but I read about. No, not really. That's almost like, I know there's like a, like a British family in that. That's like the main. Yeah. Somebody said it to me and I, and I didn't see That's it. M- Moonstruck, I guess would be one. It's a comedy. And I, I, comedies, I don't count because oh, the, count the object of a comedy is to, is to laugh at the characters. Yeah. Right? I mean, there's like one of my like favorite comedies of all time would be like my big fat Greek wedding. And it would be cool to almost see like, 
almost like an Italian version of that in a way. I guess you are still playing on like there's Greek stereotypes, but it's like it's a comedy. It's fine. Yeah, it's it's all in it's all in such great fun. It would be so yeah. cool to see an Italian version of like something like that movie. My Big Fat Greek Wedding is a superb movie. Mm-hmm. I have watched that movie. I've laughed. I've even teared up at moments, you know, um, I, like when the grandmother comes in and, and, and all, you know, out of her, you know, kind of lunacy and her, you know, she she all of a sudden she becomes this warm, you know, person and she she shows her the picture. And it's just about family. It's about- Yeah, I think a lot of Italians even love that movie just because like ethnic um, cultures like like Greek and Italian, they all share like that same like culture and family and all like like crazy relatives and like all of that yeah yeah i mean i i think there's some definite you know similarities but again comedies you know i don't count because they again you're the the point is to is to stereotype and to exaggerate Mm -hmm. you know i mean my cousin Vinny, uh, you know has got to be you know one of the funniest movies i mean i could watch that movie time and time and, and still every single scene is funny yeah you know and um you know they're 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 playing at you yeah. know i have an active crush on marissa tomei still <laughs> yeah I, I i think most men do <laughs> yeah I, I you know for sure you know when i first saw the movie the first time i i you know i wondered i said like he looks so much older than her like is <laughs> like like legal you know i remember the first time i saw it i was like wow there's a huge age difference mm-hmm. here but, you know, I guess the chemistry between them was so, so good great. that, you know, you, it's just something, you, you know, you overlook because you know mm-hmm. what? There have been there have been people. I mean, it, it, to me, if he had been dating her for as long as they said they were, <laughs> she would have been like seven. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so uh, but God, funny movie, funny, funny, funny film. Mm-hmm. Uh, Unstruck, you know, again, you know, funny movie. Um, Did you ever see Fatso? No, that's the one everyone tells me to watch. It's Fatso and um, One Big or The Big Night. The Big Night, I don't, I don't I've never seen Fatso. Something about like like two brothers that open up an Italian restaurant, and they, I guess they, somebody tells them that Dean Martin's coming to eat there, or so, something I, like that. I got, I got to, I got to figure out the specifics on that. Marty is pretty, you know, it's going back now. Now, now I'm, I'm real. It was before my time, but it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's 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 a comedy. Ernest Borgnine um, is in it, and it takes place. You know, an Italian family, and and there's some funny things in it. It's not hysterical. It's not in the category of Moonstruck or or my cousin Vinny. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah. yeah. So um, lot, lots of films are, are 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 funny, but again, I I'm talking about serious, you know, films about Italians. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, so everybody listening, definitely go. We'll link the article. It's on order isda.org we'll link it here but um yeah other than that oh the one thing we didn't talk about is how you're having a possible upcoming tour to italy you did it when you were a teacher you would take kids to italy on um i guess to just for a giant field trip I yeah pretty much what it was you know it started off i was teaching i was teaching romeo and juliet and i was doing a virtual tour of the globe theater and I kept saying to my, I kept saying to the class, one of these days, we're going to do a class trip to the Globe Theater. And that's how it started. I just that's said, so cool. all right, I'm doing it. So I said, okay, we're going to do, you know, uh, London. 
And then let's throw, I said, we'll throw France in there too. Cause they're pretty close. And we'll, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll do like a little, you know, double thing. And it was, it, it was supposed to be a one and done, you know, we yeah. went, did the thing and we came back. It was so unbelievable. The kids had such an unbelievable time that I said to my wife, um, I want to keep doing this. So um, we did it and we went, we went all over the world. It wasn't just Italy, but we went, you know. That's awesome. And you did it all through the school that you were teaching at? Yeah, it was, it was at so the that's, school. That's, I think that must be like the entrepreneur in you because there's so many teachers, I guess, throughout the years that just like make broken promises, but like to actively like make these trips happen with these students, that's awesome on your end. But let me tell you, they're, they're, I, I, I'd be lying if I, if I told you that, you know, more than five or six kids told me that it was the the best experience of their life. Awesome. So many of their life, you know, people said that, you know, was, uh, this is the best part of high school, but other people this is the best, this is the best moment of my life. Oh. And uh, there's something special about traveling with, with high school kids and them like going on their own and kind of just sort of feeling themselves out and learning and eating new foods and, um, you know, it was fabulous. So anyway, um, after I retired, um, you know, my wife and I were talking, we're like, you know, let's, let's do this with adults, you know? So we put together, I took all the 10 years of my travel experience Mm -hmm. and I worked with the group that I was working with, uh, to do the, the tours, you know, with the high school kids. And I, you know, we built this trip, um, especially for adults and it's, it's fabulous. It's Florence, Rome, um, Sorrento and Puglia. Mm -hmm. And I I threw Puglia in there because it's, it's a gem that a lot of people don't know about. You know, there's some great aspects of Sorrento. Um, you know, of course, Positano and, um, you know, uh, in Rome, you know, you've got, you know, of course, all that is Rome and, and, and Florence and we have wine tastings and pizza making and gelato making and, um, and and I purposely ended the trip midweek so that if people want to, like it's 10 days. So if people mm-hmm. want to say, you know what, I really want to just park myself in Sorrento, you know, from Wednesday until Sunday and just, just hang out and enjoy okay. it. When, yeah. it, when is this, is there a specific date for this trip yet? Um, yes, it's, um, it's May. Um, oh, am I, May? Because my girlfriend wants to go next year and we're trying, we're talking about it now because her sister and brother-in-law just had their honeymoon in Greece. And now we're just itching to go to Italy. Um, it's Memorial Day, uh, Memorial Day. Um, that's, that's the Memorial Day night. It starts and it goes 10 days. So into the beginning of June. Um, and really, if you want to put, um, my email address there, yeah, absolutely. You know, and link it. People can, uh, and I'll just send a copy of the itinerary. And if people are interested, it's going to be, I'm closing the trip out at, at uh, 20 people. Okay. Maybe 22, maybe, uh, you know, so 20 people besides my wife and myself. Um, so I, I don't, I, you know, big tours are just too much. No, get, yeah. I'm just sort of using, you know, the knowledge that I've gained, mm-hmm. you know, to make this trip, you know, a really good one. Something, you know, I also don't want to pack too much in one day. If you've, you've never been on a tour before you, you know, you said, but doing these tours, you know, they could be exhausting. So I, I'm, I pick specific things. The days aren't too packed. I included a lot in it, but not everything to make sure that people have time to just have dinner with their friends where they want to, instead of 
every night included dinner. There, yeah. there, there's a bit of a damper on that because if you're in one place and the tour, you know, books a dinner in a, in a home, you've got to stop what you're doing, possibly take a train going, you know, no, we're going to be here. People hang out. You know, the tour guide will suggest things and, you know, there's great places to have dinner here, 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 meet us back here in three hours. Enjoy. So there's a lot of that built into That's this. That's awesome. Program. That's awesome. What's something like this? Is there a price on this yet or? Yeah, it's um, 53 um, and change. And that includes airfare, three dinners, um, the welcome dinner when you get there, which the first day is always like, you know, that um, a farewell dinner. And then one the, the night that we make pizza, you know, that'll be our dinner that night. Um, that's in Sorrento. Uh, breakfast is, is included. All of the tours are included. All the transportation is included while we're there. All the buses, all, all uh, a 24 hour tour guide who, who is with you oh, every awesome. step of the way, meets you at the, at the plane, you know, takes you from there, brings you to the hotel, waiting for you with a bus, you know, escorts you there, you know, so it's, it's got, and really if people have checked out travel prices post the pandemic, um, you know, and what you're getting in this trip for a 10 day, you know, trip of this type, it's oh, yeah. an excellent price. Awesome. Yeah. Well, we'll definitely throw all that up over the social medias, but uh, it was awesome talking to you. Thank you so much. I mean, we, I'm sure we could, we could talk probably for another half an hour, hour, but um, we'll definitely oh, make a, yeah, we'll make a part two to this, hopefully maybe next time in person, but um, yeah, that would be great. Yeah. Where can everybody check you out? Where, what's your website, I guess? Um, you know, books by Mike com. I would love for Italians. I'd love for everybody really, but you know, I, I just, you know, I mean, sure. I want to sell my books. That's, you know, every, every person, you know, has pride in what they do, but you know, I could write all the stories I want and include, you know, my versions of Italians, but the only way it's going to make it, it's 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 way out there is for people to share it, for people to read it, to, for for it to penetrate the same way Hollywood is. And I'm trying mm-hmm. to make movies out of all these books that I have have screenplays. So awesome. I'm pursuing all of that to get these, you know, to get my stories out there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so you can go to booksbymikedelucia.com or you can just go to, you know, Amazon. I'm sold yep. exclusively on Amazon, um, you know, when you just put my name in, Mike uh, DeLucia, D-E-L-U-C-I-A, and my books will pop. And awesome. um, check them out. And please, I, 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 I love when people get back to me and say, hey, I loved your book. I gave it to my father. I, you know, it, it makes me feel, you know, okay. You know, I've, I've, I've done this and, and, um, and now people are loving what I'm doing, so. Awesome. Awesome. Oh, I forgot to check if there's any social media questions. We'll see. I put it in late, but um, no, unfortunately not. (laughs) That's on me. I always post those too late, but yeah. Thank you, Mike, again, for um, coming on. We'll definitely do this again for sure. Everybody that's listening, go buy a book. I know I'm about to go grab madness after this and read that. I'm excited. But, um, and if you're ready to go to Italy next May, um, email Mike and we'll put his email and everything in the description. Uh, one last thing. Um, also, the books are available in as audio books as well. Oh, so, if, you know, some people like, you know, I don't have time to read. And believe me, I'm with you on that. Yeah. You know, but when you're driving in your car, you're exercising or you whatever. That's why I made the audio books yep. so that people could. Is it your voice? Yes. Oh, I, wow. That must have took a long time. <laughs> I narrate. Yeah, I go to a studio and I, and I pretty much 
you know, bang it out. And, uh, you know, because I want, I want, you know, have it available as an ebook, as a paperback, as a hardcover, and as an audio book. Yeah, I want there's no reason for you not to consume this book in some way. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Awesome. I right, go, hey, look, it's, uh, you know, being on the wooden spoon. We didn't even talk about the wooden spoon, right? You know, my grandmother used to spank me with the wooden spoon when I was a kid. We used to call it the, the wooden spoon with the burnt handle. And, um, you know, when she started chasing you around the kitchen table with the spoon, oh, yeah. I knew you were in for it. But anyway, it's been great, Nico. Uh, let's do this again. And, Absolutely, and help, 100%. I hope we're traveling together, you know, in Italy this year. Yeah, we'll see. I got to talk to the to the old lady about it. <laughs> you go. All right. Awesome. Yes, yes. We'll talk again. Everybody who's listening, thank you so much. Subscribe to the podcast. Let us know what you thought of the episode. And we'll catch you in the next one. Ciao. Ciao.